Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of Edgeguard. The the Edgies, Jordan? The Edgies? The Edgies! The Edgies! <laughs> I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan. It's either that or the Guardies, and I like Edgies more because it sounds more like Emmys. It does sound like Emmys, which is funny. Uh, but it sounds like Emmys, but possibly more sexual i don't know mm, definitely more sexual <laughs> uh, un- undeniably uh but anyway uh we we had sort of alluded to doing a, a a one year special it's been about a year since we started doing this this whole thing and we decided what would be more fun than uh, a little awards show so we've gone back through the you know 55 54 games we've played up to this point 54 i believe yeah we made some uh some categories some serious and some uh uh, a little bit more goofy (laughs) Uh, and (laughs) and we uh sort of for each category we've picked uh two runners up and a winner two runners up in no particular order and then a winner uh, and mm-hmm. so kind of our plan here is to go through each category, uh, say the two runners up and the winner, and then sort of talk about all three games mm-hmm. and uh, why the winner won and why all three were, were mentioned. And also we'll, we'll probably uh, give a, an overview of like kind of our thoughts behind the, uh, yes. the category before we, before we do that. Um, but anyway, yeah. this is, uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, uh, this this might this, be a, a good episode of like, hey, here's a bunch of great games that you should go play. Um, seriously, this like value for your time. This will be the best <laughs> the episode. best episode of all time. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, are we are we ready to start the uh, the well, first um, ever edgies, Jordan? <laughs> um, almost. I just wanted to say one thing about like the rationale for mm-hmm. the for the edgies, okay. which is that we were we were thinking of this podcast. You know, it's it's apparent in the name Edge Guard. Mm-hmm. That we are we are guarding, you know, so to speak, uh, the edges of video game uh, design, innovation, mm-hmm. culture, and we want to shed light on games that are interesting, fun, or productively weird mm-hmm. um, that probably wouldn't get seen very, by very many people otherwise. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a distillation of that, like ethos, uh, and we we just felt like. We wanted to revisit the games that we already had given a shout out to and give an even louder shout to the ones that just really stuck with us or were personally uh, personally fun for us. So yeah. That's the thinking here. And maybe we'll do it again next year. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Who knows what the world will look like next year? Who knows? Maybe we might not even be here. We might be in Canada. We might have to flee. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, without further ado, uh, do you want to introduce our, our, our first category, Jordan? I do. So we, we're starting off a little more uh, fun because, um, well, they're all fun, but starting off a little more silly because we had some categories that were like recurring uh, recurring jokes in the podcast, and this is one of them. Uh, this category is Vibiest Vibes, and that's Vibes, V-I-B-E-Z. That's very important. <laughs> It's very important. Uh, so we just uh, when we were going through our going through our games, there were just a lot of them that we played that um, they just have a vibe to them, and we would say that we noticed that we said that a lot in our discussions of them, where they just have a weird like feeling of like being chill, or like the music plus the like color scheme is mm-hmm. you know just vibey in 
in a certain way, and we were like, well, let's just have a category built around that. So the mm-hmm. three the three winners are. So I'll start with the the runners up, which are is healthy breakfast, um, and levedad, um, and then the winner for vibiest vibes of in the first annual edgy awards goes to <laughs> Palm Mystery, um, which was a game. Uh, I you know what occurs to me? I should have had the names of all the creators of these games. This is Paloma Dawkins, yes, or Pal Gal, as uh, as she is uh, sort of known. Her nickname is Pal Gal. Uh, with with Paul Mystery, the uh, sort of exploratory music. Doesn't it describe itself as like a tactile horror game about hands or something? Uh, yeah, it was like um. I think it was like tactile horror, surreal tactile horror or something like that. Um, yeah, Paul Mystery, uh, that game was a trip in the best possible way. Uh, we, we, we remarked on it at the time. It's just like you open up this game and like, like the moment I even like think about this game, like the music is immediately stuck in my head again. It's just like something about the way the music fits with the, fits with the art style and the weird undulating hands on all the walls. Oof. I don't know. It is yeah. vibey as all hell. I remember uh, explicitly uh, like talking about how visceral the music was. Like it's it's kind of aggressive. I think the vibeous vibes uh, category. I think uh, it sort of encompasses uh, the set of remarks where we'd kind of be like, "This game would be fun to play while you were high." Uh, and this game, it kind of falls outside of that a little bit. Uh, the vibe is very strong, but it's not quite as, uh, like relaxed a vibe as some of our other vibey games. Yes. I would say that on the whole, but Mm. one of the interesting things about Paul mystery is how, like how distinct a kind of mood and feeling Mm. each of its little set pieces has. Mm. And a couple of them are, Mm. are more traditionally vibey, so to speak. Traditionally vibey. All all Mm of them are are broadly vibey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about the runners up a little bit too. Healthy breakfast. Uh, was that like colorful first person, uh, puzzle game? It was like uh, light puzzle element. It was kind of just exploring. exploration. Yeah. But yeah, a couple of rooms had puzzles. There was that weird room with the mirror where you had to like walk forward and backwards mm-hmm. in order to progress. Mm-hmm. And there was just, um, the, the vibiness in that one I would describe as like psychedelic. Yes. Uh, it, it had a kind of like seventies, uh, vibe to mm-hmm. it. Um, bright and colorful and, uh, yes, bright, surreal, and goofy there's like all that flamingo and there's all the like donut just like weird sort of <laughs> uh and all the birds there were maybe it wasn't just flamingo but there was all kinds of birds but um yeah but yeah so the the vibe on that one it kind of evokes more of a like you said psychedelic that one's yes. definitely like a, a stoner jam right there straight stoner up jam. straight yeah, up bona fide stoner jam <laughs> uh and then our other runner-up was uh levedad uh, by yes, made by the friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Julian Cordero, mm-hmm. um, who we've, he's actually, if you are coming to Edgeyard for the first time, you should go back. We did an interview with him about this game uh, and about another game we played uh, for the podcast called Trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is uh, much more kind of like chill, vibey. 
Mm-hmm. Then maybe Paul Mystery is that one you like play as a photographer sitting on a roof, uh, and you have like this long exposure uh, photograph mechanic and is interesting. So yeah, it's really cool. And uh, actually, uh, we can give a shout out to uh, Trees because that did make the short list for Vibius Vibes. It did but, make the short list. Uh, it, it didn't make the cut all the way. We figured uh, one Julio Julian Cordero joint. Uh, would be <laughs> would be good enough in the vibiest vibes. Yes, uh, but yeah, Paul Certainly Mystery a strong suit of his work. <laughs> yeah, I think Paul Mystery. The reason it it took this category is I, th- I already I think I already said the word visceral, but the the viscerality of it all of just like yeah. everything coming at you and the way the hands are like undulating and I don't know. It has a very it's a, I don't know. It's it's got that vibe, man. I think that's the reason it yeah. wins this category is because you can't even really describe. Uh, you can't quite put to words uh, how right it feels to be in that space and how like cohesive it feels. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a game that also I think was one thing we said at the time that it has a kind of like. I mean, despite the very surreal sort of content, it has a very like full and complete feeling to it. I mean, part of this is just that like Paloma Dawkins is a clearly a very skilled, like uh 3d uh, digital designer. Like mm-hmm. clearly has a lot of practice in animation mm-hmm. um, and that, that definitely shows through, but it also just like, I don't know, even though you're like just traveling through these weird surreal portals, it feels like a, a very cohesive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, well, do you have anything else to say about uh, Vibiest Vibes winners or runners up, or are you ready to move <laughs> on to our our next category? Um, uh, we we can move on. We can okay. move on. Okay, great. Well, uh, we're going from one of our silliest categories to one of our most serious categories, uh, which is most compelling narrative, uh, mm-hmm. which we chose. Specifically, I mean, obviously, to highlight narrative games. We didn't play a ton of narrative games. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. a little bit tough to find like fully realized narrative games that exist at the size and scope of most of the games we were playing. Yeah. Uh, so there weren't a ton that we played. There were only six or seven out of the mm-hmm. you know fifty plus 50, that we played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we found we wanted to make sure we highlighted those and sort of talked about how people are doing narrative well within games a because narrative is already sort of a thing that many people will cite as like oh narratives and games are all terrible uh and (laughs) b also because since the games we're playing are so small the sort of storytelling work you have to do has to you have to be able to make it all work in an hour or less basically for most of the games we're playing um So is there anything else you want to say about the category before I introduce the, uh, um, the runners yeah, up? I mean, just, just that, uh, we, we chose the word compelling because we wanted it to be a little bit more, uh, more broad encompassing about the sorts of things that make a, a narrative good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the, the, these, these three games have good narratives for maybe slightly different reasons. And we'll go into that a little bit more once we, uh, once we hear the, the winners, but Absolutely. Take us away. All right, great. So uh, for our first runner-up, we have Paratopic, uh, the sort of surrealish horror game with like the PS1 graphics. Then yes. next we have uh, One Night Stand, uh, sort of 2D rotoscope animation 
point-and-click adventure game, basically. And mm-hmm. then our winner for most compelling narrative, Subsurface Circular by Bithyl yes. Games. Uh, yes, that one. It was a favorite uh, when we first played it. One of our oldest games, actually. Yeah, we it was like that one number six or something crazy. Here, let me let me see what it literally was. I have it right here. It was seven. Yes, I've seven. seven. There you go. I was close. Yeah. Yeah. So, subsurface. Uh, what do you think was so narratively compelling about Subsurface Circular? Um, I think that it. Uh, well, so it just had a good. Um, um, it was a very like complete sort of sci-fi world. Like mm. you feel like you have, uh, you know, as much as you can in an hour, um, you feel like this, you sort of understand the conflicts in this world, like the, between the robots and the government, between mm. the robots and the people, between the people and the government, uh, these like three layers of conflict. They, they, you just from your, like this one train that you're on, mm-hmm. you get, you get quite a, an expansive view of that. And then also it, I don't know, it just like your character, um, is like believable. The characters you meet are believable, even though they're all robots Mm -hmm. and, uh, you, you get invested. The narrative is, I mean, it's compelling in like, in, in the sense that like when you make the final decision, Mm. it's really like, it feels like it's important. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I I think that this game, the reason it's successful to me is I think, uh, so I guess narrative broadly defined, or maybe not broadly defined, but narrative can kind of be defined different ways uh, mm-hmm. to different people. And uh, I don't know, I think when it comes to talking about games, people talk about a lot of different things. I think the thing this game does uh, really well is... Uh, it has a very uh, interesting lore, which is what I would kind of use to describe uh, the world and the circumstances outside of any specific plot uh, is what yeah. I would kind of define as lore. So they, they lay out a really interesting lore with like the robots sort of uh, taking over the jobs of humans uh, and sort of living yeah. underground and moving around underground. And also the whole aspect of the, the robots having different discrete levels of intelligence and being yeah. self-aware about their levels of intelligence and sort of like interacting yeah. with each other or being like, Oh, you're a higher level than me. So you'll have a better understanding of this. Um, yeah, that was interesting. But the thing that makes it so successful, I think, I think games in general are pretty good at building lore. I think they're, it's easy or it's not easy, but, uh, sort of a lore or world building fits better into games than a strict narrative just because you can build a big space and have people walk around and have them, you know, walk around the Citadel and mass effect and talk to a billion different aliens about their society. Uh, but the thing this game does that I think makes it stand out is it is able to, uh, leverage that lore and use it and make it an important part of the plot of what I would actually sort of describe as the narrative yeah. uh, and the, the stakes of the world are uh, brought to fruition in like the final uh, in the final decision of the game. And so I think that's kind of yeah. what made it sealed the deal for me. You know, one thing that I just thought of when you were saying this is that it, the game does a good job of like, uh, like integrating world building into the plot in an elegant way. It doesn't do mm. a lot of the, I don't know if there's a name for this, but the like, the thing in movies where some where it's obvious that the characters should all know this information, but it's yeah, just it's being exposition. told for the, 
exposition like there is feels non-diegetic like it doesn't feel like it mm. is, is supposed to be in the in the world mm. in this one we get lots of exposition and the like limited point of view of our protagonist feels justified mm. um and like we are learning alongside this protagonist's learning mm -hmm. um and i mean this is part of it's like detective plot and i also think that it it does a great job of mixing the mechanics into this dynamic so mm -hmm. like you play the game by learning the plot basically like the game mm. is um you know do the detective work to discover what uh what happened so yeah i thought that was great yeah it's a uh, it's a great game. You should go play it. Uh, I think we should also talk about our runners up a little bit. Uh, why yeah. we why we liked them, uh, even though they didn't quite win. Uh, yeah. So the other two, I mean, there's kind of nice genre distribution here. So mm -hmm. like one night stand. Um, I mean, it was trying to do video games tend to not be a very realist genre. They seem, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, less interested in. Uh, realism mm -hmm. than in something, fantasy science fiction something something detective. male power fantasy <laughs> and even when they're not doing that mm -hmm. it's uh, a yeah. you know strong propensity for uh fantasy and and surreal and non non-realistic uh, mm -hmm. uh, worlds this one is you know totally realistic it mm -hmm. is um it's sort of like a little snapshot of a more or less everyday interaction you've had a one night stand and you need to figure out you know piece together the events of what happened mm -hmm. um the night before and it was a it was an interesting sort of topic for uh for a, a game to be taking on that we hadn't seen so i think we liked that and i think that we felt that it did a pretty good job of that mm -hmm. um in terms of making that uh plot compelling in uh, video game form yeah uh, and and paratopic actually maybe you could talk more about paratopic paratopic topic had a uh, it was kind of light on plot really it was just like it, yeah. it had a lot of mood but the the plot that was there when you kind of like piece it together I think the sort of the big standout thing for us was the way that it it sort of has like a non linearity and like cutting intercutting between different scenes and for much of the game uh, and points it, of view yeah yeah well so that's what I'm saying is for much of the game you uh, maybe aren't really sure if you're playing as different characters or you're playing as the same right, character at right. different moments and then it kind of all becomes clear when you sort of wander into the woods and uh, get one of the characters gets sort of like snatched up. And then yeah. you return to the woods as one of the other characters and like find sort of yeah. return to the scene of the crime. And it kind of, at least for me, it was kind of a moment of like, Oh shit, it was me the whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is kind of the, the game I had in mind when I was saying that we, we had different definitions of compelling for the different mm -hmm. uh, games we're looking at. So whereas one night stand, it, it has a kind of realist plausibility to it that mm -hmm. uh, I thought it did very well. Paratopic, um, obviously not realist. It's a kind of like uh Cronenbergian mm -hmm. techno horror or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, um, the, the narrative is not easily describable because it's sort of like, bounces around a lot you're not sure what's going on but it's still it felt compelling in, in the sense of just like kind of like gripping and like you want to know what's happening and what the hell is going on in this world yeah um absolutely yeah. even though like you literally no one 
like actually talks like you everything is there's a tiny bit of talk yeah and it has that really unsettling like yeah yeah that's actually a pretty good job of imitating it. Uh, that's <laughs> not the first time you've remarked about how good i am at imitating did i say that last time you said it when we oh, did the episode on the you're, thing. well it remains true you're still good <laughs> at sounding like a creepy cronenberg character there you go go me <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so these are all great games. Um, I, I'm, I feel like I shouldn't say this every time, but go play all of them. <laughs> yes, go play here. How about right now we say play all of the games we're talking about right now. All oh, all eighteen of these games. Yeah. Oh. Well, also personal shout. Anyway, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. That's true. All eighteen plus of the games. We're go talking go about listen right now. to all fifty three episodes of Edgeguard and play every game. Yeah, or just or just do the greatest hits. We're lining up the greatest hits for you. At least hit those. Um, all right, do you want to hit hit the people with our next the category? The next category, yes. yes sir. Okay, so this next category is called uh, games that just feel right. Right is in quotes. Uh, I think an alternative title was something when the game just right or something like that. When the game yeah. feels just right. It's um, it's a category to sort of describe the intangible uh the intangible satisfaction of when a game the the controls and mechanics uh are just precise and ugh, i don't know it's yeah, we like talk that, about feel a lot this is sort of specifically to uh shine light on like action games or action heavy games that we've played mm-hmm. uh and uh so when you play an action game you can sort of tell when a game feels right and you can tell when it feels wrong but i know uh personally from experience as a developer making a game that uh feels right is uh incredibly hard and knowing what uh even if something's only a tiny bit off knowing what it is that is off is is really hard uh yeah so this is sort of for games that excel in uh uh sort of controlling really well Mm -hmm. um the interactive moment like the mechanics the core mechanics the core loop just like sat feel satisfying they Mm -hmm. feel like fun Mm -hmm. even just that like just the the moment to moment gameplay just feels right in the way that only video games uh do Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what this one is so the three winners are first we have our two runners up which are uh card witch first draw which was a game... Well, I'll just say them all first. Cardwitch First Draw, mm-hmm. um, Devil Daggers, mm-hmm. uh, and then the winner for games that just feel right was uh, Bamboo Heart. Yeah. Um, yes. This was a... I remember this being a tough one. We were mm-hmm. really... We we liked all these, um, these games. For me, uh, the toughest choice was between Devil Daggers and Bamboo Heart for the winner. Yeah. Because those were the two games that I I definitely found to be the most like just fun to interact with of, mm. of some of the games that we had played. Cardwitch, yeah. uh, it was an interesting sort of uh, difference in the way we, the two of us experienced mm-hmm. it, which is that I played it almost like a... Um, like a deck building game mm-hmm. and you played it more as a sort of like dark souls response yeah. action response more strictly as an action game even yeah. though i i was factoring in the sort of uh the card mechanics but uh i was playing it more of an action game as you were so we actually had a little bit of contention about about that but i i i stood it i stood 
with my guns for card witch. You, you convinced me. I did you convince you. Me. I'm very persuasive. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but bamboo heart. So, um, for those of you that are new or don't remember, this is a game uh, by the sock pop sock pop collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, I think Time and Tio did this one, or was this one of the collectively? This is a uh, Time and Time and Tio. This is a Time and Tio bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this game you play as a little one of various uh, little anthropomorphic animals with a sword, and you it's a sort of like samurai duel game. Uh, you it's a two D. Uh, you run it's along. More of ninja duel than samurai, you know. Ninja, maybe sure. Yeah, uh, samurai are agile. They got those big, heavy armor. You know, get your that's get your <laughs> Asian ancient military shit right, Jordan. Okay, okay. or popular culture representations. Yeah, thereof. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So you play as a ninja, sure. And um, the what feels just so satisfying about this game is the way that you. Uh, you have to time your sword swings in relation to the sword swings of the AIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you time it just right, then you can uh, kill them without getting hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just adds a whole bunch of different sort, sorts of uh, sword moves mm-hmm. that also feel very satisfying. I remember, I distinctly remember us both saying that we love the, the like down smash thing yeah 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 so i think i think the thing that this game does super well is have a super the the moves that you can do are limited it's basically like the combat moves are jump and swing your sword but the way that it lets you manipulate those and stick them together like uh being in the air and then doing your sword down is a little bit has a little bit different timing a little bit different recovery uh, and then once you un- uh, you get these sort of power ups, then uh, sort of using the stick and hitting the uh, hitting the attack button at the at the right precise time will have you do like dashes and uh, I don't know it does a it does a really good job of having a very simple set of uh, mm-hmm. controls but uh, making yes. it feel robust and exciting to like try different ways and even even being such a simple game or a seemingly simple game you and I played, you know, pretty differently and had different styles and different, uh, different enemies that tripped us up. Cause you sort of had the basic enemies and then the, the tougher enemies that would come out. And that's how you like unlock the power up is by killing the tougher enemies. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It just had like a, a surprising amount of, uh, of depth for, uh, you know, a, a simplistic at first glance game. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess I had forgotten how much, uh, like, our playstyles ended up vi- like differing in mm-hmm. that game. Oh yeah, yeah. hugely, hugely. But yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to forget about Devil Daggers because this this was uh, very very close for me. Uh, yes, I think we leaned a little bit more toward Bamboo Heart because it's uh, it felt a little bit more in the spirit of the podcast and being truly on the edge of games, like a pretty small game. Uh, yeah with uh that's you know not super well known i mean it did get nominated for uh an igf award but um but devil daggers was uh man i think that was probably was that the only shooter game that we played i guess if you count like top down sort Uh, of farben spiel oh yeah farben spiel was a first person yeah i do remember that was another early one but but anyway we played a couple early shooters and that was that was about it yeah Um, yeah, now that I think about it, we've really, since Devil Daggers, I don't think we have. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that uh, 
since the sort of AAA big market is so saturated with first and third person shooters, I think many smaller creators yeah. tend to shy away from them because if yeah. they wanted to work on, you know, first person shooters, they would maybe not be making tiny indie games, but yeah, that's also a generalization <laughs> that I'm sure there are people out there making great, interesting indie first person shooters like devil daggers, devil daggers, which, yeah, uh, it was so, that was just a game where every every mode of interaction with the world mm-hmm. feels fun and uh, satisfying. So, mm-hmm. like I, the the way you move, mm-hmm. and you can like speed up your movement by bunny hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, that just has a kind of like a kind of clip clip to it, a click mm-hmm. to it that like like feels really good when you do it. The the way that your like weird projectiles all fly out of your hand you almost just want to like when you start you almost just want to like hold down shoot and wave your mouse around every time you start just because it just feels fun and then every time you get your upgraded daggers you want to do it again you're like oh yeah shoot everything or just blast the shotgun blast at the ground to fly up in the air oh yeah yeah Yeah, which i never was able to really get much uh, tactical use out of Uh, but it was but it looks damn cool it does look cool. And then I don't know how to I don't know how to articulate this part right, but there's something about the enemies mm. that makes them really satisfying to shoot. Mm. Uh, they like it's like they the word that comes to mind is they seem soft. Like the enemies huh. seem like soft and like clay-y almost. I'm mostly thinking of the floating skulls. Oh, they just like that whenever you hit them that, maybe maybe it has to do with how they like explode and die and like the sounds they make. Cause it, it kind of yeah. feels like you're shattering them into a thousand tiny pieces and like sending yeah. their demonic souls back into the depths with your magical devil daggers that you're shooting out of your hand. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> the way they kind of like shred apart. And I think part of that is helped by just like how many of them, especially with those skulls, those huge swarms and you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah spraying daggers into this giant swarm of like little skulls that are kind of like lazily lilting around, but kind of like, but then they'll, they'll still surprise you with how they, they fly at you. And I I think Mm -hmm. the other thing uh, that should be said about the enemies is how they kind of fit the, the doom, uh, the OG doom sort of class of thinking where they each have like very specific predictable behavior, uh, but combining them in the space can uh, sort of create all kinds of opportunities and, and ways to, to play and succeed. uh, Mm -hmm. And it's just very successful at that. Yeah. I mean, another way that it's like the doom uh, enemy design is the sounds Mm -hmm. each enemy makes is really distinctive. So like you immediately know what you're about to face whenever you hear the sound of the enemy. So like they spawn, they make spawn sounds as well. Yeah. The chasey skulls, they make a noise when they get really close to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, the clickety clackety spider sound. I can imagine that sound right now. Just thinking about it. Yep. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yep. And then the, (laughs) the ones with the horns are just like, make that like weird. Yeah. 
uh, the other, I guess that that game also does a really job of like being kind of unsettling and gross with how like the sort of demonic yeah uh, aesthetic of it is also very good and the uh, the sort of like early '90s PC first person shooter engine. Uh, that's actually one of the things. One of the reasons the game exists is uh, the creator just wanted to like make uh, their own game engine that like looked had that mm. like you know early Quake game look, and it totally nailed that as well. So uh, really did, yeah. Great. All of this contributes to that game feeling so right. Good. Um. Um. I guess one thing I just say kind of what our reasoning for Cardwitch was mm-hmm. was that the I think specifically the parry mechanic was something we were mm-hmm. we were thinking of with the maybe you can say more about this than I can since you played it a little more as uh, an action game. Yeah, I remember uh, the the parry being uh really good and the uh the whole uh like low level shooting thing you could kind of just be like mashing the little pistol. And, uh, and the right, way you're like right. moving around and lining up, uh, it all just had like a very specific timing to it that, uh, made sort of made it more exciting than just, uh, all right, I'm going to play this magic card and you're going to set off my trap card or whatever. I don't know. I don't play magic. I'm just trying to be reductive. <laughs> uh, I think that was Yu-Gi-Oh. You were just, uh, is that a trap? Is tra- that trap uh, cards? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But anyway, sort of uh, the way that the uh, the action enhanced the card gameplay, uh, I think, was what made it really work for me. Is uh-huh. uh, if it was just a strict action game, it might not have uh, sold the feeling as well, like on its own. But sort of integrating the like very specific timing of like casting these cards and the long windups with sort of mm-hmm. like the fast, snappy zipping around this uh, this little fixed grid was uh uh i don't know just just very very successful felt right yeah just felt right yes um uh all right so that was uh that was games just feel right let's uh let's move on to the next one. Oh yes uh one of my favorite categories this I, is a i you thought of this one and mm-hmm. i immediately knew this was a category we had to do yeah <laughs> so this category uh rose out of uh us sort of noticing a pattern which is that uh we both like playing games where the uh <laughs> the sort of frame around the game is that you're inside some sort of computer interface and you're doing something usually something that it would be mundane if you were doing it in a real computer interface but specifically because it's in a game it's it's fun and playful so this is best simulated computer interface <laughs> uh, do you have any remarks about the category before i talk about the, um, the i mean luckily that one is <laughs> extremely self-explanatory, self-explanatory. <laughs> yes so, so i mean maybe it would be better <laughs> better described as best use of a simulated computer interface because sure. you don't just mean that is the most the interface is good the <laughs> we're not pulling it we're not ux designers we're not like mm. <laughs> yes. is it intuitive uh do i know how to use it yeah although these games are that too mm. but, but um and then also not like best simulated in the sense of like looks the most like the real thing no. although there is some of that too it's yeah. just like best uh use of computer interface as a game mechanic sure um, so yeah. for our uh our first runner-up we have you must be 18 is it 18 or older to enter or 18 years older to enter 
I think oh, it's 18 or older to enter, is, uh, which was sort of that like uh, text-based early computer uh, get-caught-watching-porn game. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then next we have Pocky, which uh, simulated uh, an iPhone user interface and the premise is that you're at a party and you're bored and your phone is dying and kind of the the twist on it (laughs) is that once your phone dies you're not supposed to be able to turn it back on again and you have to do some manipulation of of like game files to actually be able to play it more than once (laughs) uh and then of course of course what else could be here at at number one for the best simulated computer interface it is as if you were doing work uh, another early game from the show. I think that's episode three or four. Uh, yes, that was one of the earliest ones. I mean, huh? I guess we really, we really were going back. It was number three. Mm-hmm. We, we've really been going back to some of the edge guard classics. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. going way back to days of yore, <laughs> to like nine months ago. How long ago that was? But uh, <laughs> but it is as if you're doing work. Sort of simulates. Uh, it has like a the look of a, a like a late 90s early 2000s operating system like windows 98 uh and aren't you're just, the aren't some of the stuff is pulled out of the actual yeah windows some of the sounds stuff, are right? from windows 98 are, yeah. 95 yeah um and it's sort of just a game about uh people advancing past doing menial labor but uh ha- having a hole in their hearts and so they're the idea is that they're going back to this old computer interface to sort of uh, do some menial tasks to sort of <laughs> remind them of what it uh, what it used to be like uh yeah and all the tasks are just like like the the minimal level of like interactivity that a computer interface demands is mm-hmm. like all the all the game mechanics so mm-hmm. you just you move sliders that's just a mechanic yep you you push buttons that's yep. just a mechanic you, you set the date you type emails <laughs> you type emails yes uh, yeah, it's just like turning, turning interactivity or computer interfacing into just a mechanic done for its own sake. Yeah. And I, I think the, the thing that this game does, uh, really well above, uh, being very evocative in some ways by just straight up lifting, uh, sounds and, uh, and, sort of look and feel of uh computer interfaces uh is that it also has this sort of like uh parody narrative level going on of the whole like oh people can't work anymore but they still like doing something menial which i think is uh a a really fun uh way of kind of exploring how humans kind of habitually uh, like doing things that are quote unquote productive, even if they aren't really producing anything, it's just the act of yeah. doing something makes you feel as if you're, uh, you're sort of achieving something or creating something, even when mm-hmm. many times you aren't really, you're just going yeah, through the, the motions. The, the sort of like implicit point of the, the game. I mean, one of the many implicit points of the game, and mm-hmm. I think it's really smart in this way is that it, it kind of reminds us that this is this is the appeal for a lot of video games, even uh-huh. ones that aren't aren't literally like a quote unquote simulation of work. Absolutely. Uh, this the and I mean it borrows a lot of like game mechanics that kind of make this more explicit. Like mm-hmm. it has a, a point thing at the top, mm-hmm. um, and they like constantly like 
summons new tasks for you to complete. Yeah, you get promotions. Oh, yeah, you get promotions that feel like they could be, like, you know, leveling up or prestiging in Call of Duty or whatever. Um, and, and so it's, like, it's, it's a sort of, like, reminder that in a way, like, I mean, this isn't true of all video games. I think, I think there are lots of different kinds of pleasures in video games. Mm. Definitely one of them uh, for a certain kind of game is, like, just the, like, stripped-down, pure feeling of, like, accomplishing a difficult task or something like that or or even Uh, or not even difficult mm -hmm. Um, or or we even talked about uh finding the most efficient way to do something in a game that is maybe not that fun to sort of uh uh get to the point where you don't really have to do it anymore you can sort of automate it uh which which is kind of a funny thing to be experience in a game that you're playing explicitly for enjoyment to be like well this part of the game i don't like so i'm gonna (laughs) figure out a way to do it as efficiently as possible so i have to do it as little as possible uh but yeah that process of of doing that can be enjoyable yeah we talked a bit about the way that people like min max the grind of yeah mmo games Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think this might have been the episode where i talked about where i admitted uh, the the crime that I committed as a RuneScape player of using a macro one <laughs> to, to mine ores. Your great great like, sin. I was like eleven years old or something. I'm surprised <laughs> that you brought that back up. I thought you would have tried to uh, sort of keep that under wraps after it. your after yeah, your first. Well, I, I'm never running for uh, office. Yeah. Or <laughs> no skeletons in the closet anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, we should also talk about uh, the other two games a little bit. Uh, I I, I yeah. think Pocky. Uh, Pocky was definitely like smaller. If you if you hadn't been like us and trying to play it for a podcast, uh, I mean your playthrough <laughs> would have been like twelve minutes, probably maybe not even that. Yeah, because uh, the I mean we could. There is a way to know exactly what the time would have been. Oh no, no I feel like it was variable. I thought it was variable. I remember me doing. doing some science and trying some to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I remember. But uh, one of the things I think that this game does so well is sort of distilling the. Uh, the idea of like i don't know how much uh these different activities are going to consume my phone battery so i want to get the most enjoyment uh out of this while consuming the least battery so that i can drag it out for the longest because my phone is dying and once it's dead i have no entertainment because i'm millennial and i can't sit still for 30 seconds (laughs) without stimulation well, well, not at a shitty party anyways, isn't it? It's supposed yeah. to be a party you don't want to go to. It doesn't say explicitly. It just says you're at a party and you're bored. So You're bored, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then You Must Be 18 Years or Older uh, is uh, a, like a horror game, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. I think it describes <laughs> itself as that, too. Yeah, I think uh, so. It, the, uh, it's a horror game where the horror is the fear of your parents walking in on you while you're trying to look at porn. Um, and it, I mean, it doesn't do half a, I think uh-uh. it's like a, a, even a good job of, oh, like, yeah. of like kind of evoking that feeling, which for many people will be a memory. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, possibly for people that grew up in the nineties or, or like anytime after the nineties, mm-hmm. probably most people like you have a distinct memory of maybe if not porn, looking at something on the computer, something you illicit. To at, yeah. Uh, and, uh, trying to do it, you know, surreptitiously, mm-hmm. uh, not let them, 
not let them see you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what actually happens in the game. Isn't there like a, a jump scare or something? I mean, oh, isn't it you open one of them and the sound of the... Yeah, it's like the, a the loud, like, uh, uh, type yeah, of yeah. sound. Uh, you, it, it's startling. You're yeah. like, oh, shit. It's like one of those pop-up ads and you can't close it. So it's like a, yeah. a horrible, horrible moment. I'm glad nothing to that extent ever happened to me in real life. Although I guess in the game you don't, I don't think you ever explicitly get caught, but that, that scare is, no, is truly horrifying. I definitely had, but a it does keep having those, uh, it doesn't it keep saying like you hear, you think you hear. Yeah. Something the door or something. Yeah. And there's like a, a breeze blows in and you get, uh, you, you think that it might be someone or anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> It's a it's a good one. There's it's a good this good, good category. Good category. And I was ju- I was just looking at our um, our description for that we episode description for you must be eighteen or older to enter, mm-hmm. and we put hashtag play more porn games. Yeah. So maybe I'll just throw that out there again. We need to heed our own <laughs> advice. You know, this <laughs> play more porn. We haven't played enough yeah. porn games. We only hit like two or three. Two, I would say that one and uh, the tea room. The tea room, the yeah. first one. Shouts out the tea room. Uh, I don't think the tea room didn't make any of the lists here, but uh, as our first like game episode, the tea room holds a special place in my heart. It does. It does hold a special place in our hearts. Uh, But with that, (laughs) uh, actually the tea room was a a runner up uh, or on the short list of our next category. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Our next category is most realized virtual space. So this one is a little bit more specific than like a world, which we were more thinking was captured under most compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're more thinking of like games where the place, you know, the, the virtual space where mm-hmm. the game takes place, it just has a, a kind of like, um, completeness re- like reality or completeness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe, maybe it's like meticulously like, uh, fleshed out. Mm. Um, maybe it just like the things or the people in this place um, feel very uh, real. Maybe this place just feels very lived in in a way yeah. that um, is compelling. So we. I would say that this uh, category is scored um, on uh, how many gone homes out of five. <laughs> <laughs> gone homes yeah. out of five. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. That's the, true. It, this might as Environmental well be. storytelling out of five. Yeah, almost, um, but I think the the we sort of avoid the specific storytelling, uh, or at least in my mind, yes. we avoided saying anything about storytelling because I think this is more about the spaces than about any specific yes. narrative or plot, uh, but more about uh, sort of doing something only games can do, which is letting yeah, you it, cutting you loose in a in a place and just being like, all right, just take in as much or as little as you want. Yes. Yeah, it's not uh, environmental storytelling because uh, these none of these games feature uh, you know tape recordings that are just lying on the ground <laughs> for you to listen to, where people frantically tell you what went wrong here. How you doing, stranger? <laughs> Sorry, that was my uh, Bioshock guy voice. <laughs> Atlas? No, the was oh, is that his name? Atlas? Yeah, yeah, Atlas. He's uh he's doesn't he have like an Irish type oh. or is it Scottish? He's kind of no, like. It is. I just uh, your your Irish accent was it was bad. I'm sorry. I did <laughs> actually. A bad now that thing. I remember that game, I don't know if it was. I feel like Irish. it was it might have been Scottish. I think it was Scottish, but either way, it was very overwrought. He's all like, "We got to go over here, murder, murder, murder," and it's just like, "Okay, okay, buddy, <laughs> okay, calm down." We're moving on. To we get it. Winners. You're the bad guy. Calm down. 
um, the the runners up uh, were Off Peak, uh, which is a game where you explore this kind of surreal train station with all sorts of mm-hmm. kooky characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a recent game uh, for us. Recent. That was one of the most recent ones mm-hmm. uh, that won a prize. Uh, Capsule Silence. Um, I can't remember the number. Twenty four. Uh, yeah, I think I it's XXIV. Yeah. Yeah, Capsule Silence twenty four, uh, which was a interactive like, space where you're going where around. A band released its uh, album. Yeah, you okay. explore the space, and you can listen to the the songs of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you are your companion while you're exploring this space is Frog. Yeah, a floating robot assistant dude yeah he's very enthusiastic yeah frog and you he <laughs> plays the tapes you put the tapes in frogs and he plays them it's great <laughs> uh and then the winner for this category uh another older one is packing up the rest of your stuff on the last day at your old apartment ah, yes and i'm glad that i got it right that time but you i did had to i had the the text in front of me so. oh did you cheater I had it memorized. I was, I was, I was fact checking you though. I was like, making sure he's on it. Is he gonna get it right? Is he gonna yep. get it right? Yep. Well, I got, I've gotten it wrong so many times that I, I thought I would actually have it open. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this was a game. I know this game was like, like very close to your heart, mm-hmm. but I also thought this was a, a incredibly, um, just well, mm-hmm. well done game, and just feels fun and interesting um uh this game is a game in which uh another very descriptive title um, yeah. you are <laughs> you're in an apartment um uh, implied to be in chicago somewhere mm. and you're moving and there's a bunch of stuff that you haven't yet put in your boxes so you literally walk through the bedroom pick up the stuff uh probably examine it mm-hmm. um when you pick up items there's a little a text description that's like your character's memory uh, or thoughts about this item. Mm-hmm. And then you you put as much as you can uh, into the boxes, uh, and then you have to recycle or donate uh, donate the rest, and then that's the game. There's yeah. some simplicity to it. Oh, and since it just occurred to me, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're supposed to be unable to fit everything <laughs> in the boxes. By design, uh, this turn follow the the game design duo who made this game. Uh, they were another group that we uh, were fortunate enough to be able to interview, and they informed us that um, I was only able to fit all of the items in the box because I uh, I accidentally glitched the game. Yeah, did some some uh, clipping through the cardboard box that. Yeah. You just had to bring that up. That's your your badge of honor, is that you <laughs> broke the game to to win. I didn't. Yeah, because uh, this is another game where we had very different play styles. Mm-hmm. Um, where you played it a little bit more, uh, kind of. Um, I almost like exploratory. Yeah, and almost role played it a little bit of like giving away yeah. certain items to goodwill as sort of like, oh well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really need this, you know. Yeah, like items that make sense to donate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played it as a kind of like Tetris moving game. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, this game, I think uh, it speaks to 
uh, how good it is at this, that the reason we found it is because Steve Gaynor, one of the, the big creative minds behind Gone Home, uh, yes. played this game and uh, was in, like a loud in, endorser of it. And that's kind of how I found this game or how we found this game. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, this game really just struck a chord with me uh, as a person who's moved a great many times and as a person who's also overly sentimental. uh, (laughs) This game hits all the right notes. Uh, It's uh, a very small space. You know, it's a small Chicago apartment in sort of an older building, which... uh, according to you is very accurate uh but it just yes, the the train out your window is very on the nose yeah for like a north side apartment yeah just like the the l as it's called mm-hmm. um yeah but also it kind of like has the the sort of like long and thin uh apartment layout that is very chicago yeah shotgun style yeah okay it's called i, Which I goes believe to, you to one of the reasons that i i felt like this was one of the most realized mm-hmm. virtual spaces is it um it it feels like realistic and lived in mm-hmm. and there's a kind of care to detail yeah oh yeah um, that that uh i was really impressed with yeah and so that's why that's why i picked this game yeah i think we haven't uh talked about like the that sort of text in the game that much uh i guess because we're highlighting how good it is at being a virtual space but the the sort of flavor text when you pick up every uh object and uh, in the room is is so good and so mm-hmm. evocative of like I I didn't I never owned these objects actually but uh, I am like torn uh, about throwing them away because I can tell by reading them the significance they have to this character I'm embodying For someone yeah yeah which is uh, which of course means that one of the creators probably either uh, had that feeling or was evoking a feeling they had heard from someone else. So, uh, I don't know, just a, a lovely game. Also, uh, the music, the music cues are very good. Uh, what was the name of the, the band? It was like their friend from college. It was like rocket something. Uh, Oh yeah. Anyway, see if it was in it's, the it's very good. Uh, but we should probably talk about the, the other two games. Um, yes. Um, I'll talk about Capsule Silence. Actually, I, lo- I love all three of these games. These, this is maybe my favorite category where all three of these games were three of my uh, my like top games that we've played uh, yeah. for the whole show. Um, Off Peak being sort of like the most recent that I was definitely torn about giving it uh, this category because I think personally I uh, I like uh, packing up better uh, a little bit. Uh, just like on a personal level, it sort of connected with me better. But uh, yeah. I remarked during our episode on Off Peak that it felt like being inside someone's brain, and I think that speaks to how well it evokes sort of the scattered and odd and surreal, but uh, somehow cohesive nature of that game. Mm-hmm where it's like a bunch of weird disparate elements and sounds, but they all sort of uh, coalesce into something uh, very uh, that felt very specific and sort of targeted. Uh, Yeah. Off peak, right? Yes. Off peak. Yeah. Yeah. I off peak. I, I, it's another game where it kind of like has a, a non-realist or even in this one at moments, surrealist, Mm -hmm. um, like, a tone and setting, mm-hmm. but it still feels like very fully, um, 
like fleshed out mm-hmm. of a world. Like just the its its feeling of worldness is uh, is very strong. Um, worldness. That's okay. Next yeah. year, uh, this category is getting a rename: uh, the Gone Home Award for Worldness. For <laughs> Gone Home <laughs> TM uh, Award for Worldness. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then a capsule silence. This was one, this is actually an interesting outlier in that I played this game, uh, a couple years ago before this podcast existed, uh, right, be- right. specifically because I liked the band and they, there was a whole ARG sort of false narrative where they were like yeah. purported to be working on a game and then it fell through. And so they quote unquote leaked it. And then what it ended up being is just that secretly they had hired, uh, independent developer, Ben Esposito to make a mm-hmm. game for them as a way for them to release new music. So it was really cool for, I think almost six months or maybe even longer. Uh, the music in this game didn't exist on Spotify or iTunes anywhere. People ended up doing like some data mining of, uh, the they found the server that the game was connecting to to like pull the music so people were able to yeah. to get their hands on the music but uh it's just a, a really unique way for a band to be like hey check it out we're we're putting out new music but we're we have this whole weird like ruse that we're doing and and also the mm-hmm. the space inside the game is meant to be sort of like the uh like a development environment where uh, it's like the only space where the band members were allowed to mess with stuff while the like quote unquote like development team was off making the real game. They were just hanging out in this virtual space and sort of building (laughs) their own versions of their bedrooms. And I think that's what makes it uh, like really well realized is uh, the amount of detail and the amount of personality each of the the band members rooms has and also just frug. Frog. Gotta love Frog. A plus. Any space with Frog in it is like, this is a well-realized space. Mm-hmm. No, but in all seriousness, though, you know the, the the premise is maybe a little like the idea that there's this virtual space mm-hmm. where the develop where the band all hangs out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe believable, maybe not. Sure. But if if you believe that that's a a thing, mm-hmm. it is like, oh, this is what that would look like. Yeah. Like, it really absolutely felt like this is like, you know, if they were just hanging out in a virtual environment like this is this room personality was a good word that like the rooms have a kind of personality mm. it feels like oh this is the room for this person even if you don't know yeah uh, you know that person you can tell that it has a, yeah a sort of specificity to yeah them. and i should mention really quickly the band was Gucci. i don't know if i said that uh oh you didn't so okay. that's good that yeah you said that. Anamatoguchi is the band uh who sort of worked on this game uh but anyway uh is it my turn or your turn to talk about our final category uh i think it's um it's yours because i i started right so goody 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 so this is sort of our uh quote-unquote best picture uh which is maybe to say it's our most serious category uh which Mm -hmm. is uh the most original use of games as a medium Mm -hmm. which yeah so this is the the edge guardiest award yeah the the highest uh, honor of the edgies, <laughs> the edgiest. Oh no, that means something totally different. That's not. No, it's it's very edgy. <laughs> these are very hardcore. These listen, all of these games, uh, Reaper Main, play Reaper Main and Overwatch. Reaper Main. Oh yeah. I I think that is uh, extremely false for <laughs> one of them. <laughs> uh yeah, it's probably extremely false for pretty much all of them. <laughs> um, but anyway, the three games. 
we have Cyberpet Graveyard. I think uh, at the time of this recording, the most recent episode, or is there one after that? Or is there one between? No, it's the it's the most recent one that has been released as this recording. As of the time this uh, gets released, oh, there'll be, there'll one, be one more. more. Uh, but yeah. Cyberpet Graveyard, where you're uh, exploring the actual file system on your computer. We decided this one wasn't eligible for uh, best simulated computer interface because it takes <laughs> because place it in is. your actual computer interface. Not simulated. Yeah, uh, which uh, we enjoyed because it explicitly because of that because it sort of took you outside of the the game and made the game your real world uh which was really cool and then uh florence which was uh uh sort of narrative um ah it's hard to describe this game we we coined the term filio where to describe it uh because it's basically uh a story a game about storytelling, but it uses these sort of like tiny bespoke mechanics to sort of convey uh, emotion yeah. and feeling. And there's very little text in it. It's it's largely yeah. a game of uh, using these small interactions to. I think there might be no text actually. There's a very little bit when your mom calls you. I think uh, if I remember oh, correctly, maybe. but um, but most of the important story moments are all being conveyed to you through these little bespoke interactable mechanics that uh many of which were yeah. ingenious uh and then f- yeah it just go ahead yeah they're just like basically little touchscreen mini games mm-hmm. um like assembling a simple puzzle as a way of expressing that you're having trouble yeah. thinking of something to say yep yeah well uh i guess that means we can finally get to the winner of the most original use of games as a medium we're gonna do a drum roll for this one one hour one life by yes. jason Rohrer uh took took the cake here uh by facing the player with the 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 daunting task of living a mundane tribal existence uh but largely uh it's about sort of uh, giving people the devices to either uh, nurture each other or uh, forsake each other uh, yeah. in a multiplayer environment where you're born as a baby that's totally helpless and dependent upon other real players to uh, to care for you and to foster you to adulthood so that you may mm-hmm. be able to do the same for other new players, uh, which is a thing that I think... If I think many people, if you would have asked them if this game would work, I think many people would say no, because I yeah, think and Jason Rohr actually said that, that he during development, mm-hmm. he told people about it. And he was like, they would often say this is an interesting idea, but it will but no never one's gonna, work. No one's going to play it right. They're just going to run off mm-hmm. by themselves and it'll never work. Mm-hmm. They'll never get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we played it very close to its release. So. Um, still when people were just figuring out how it works mm-hmm. and they, it was remarkable how much they did. Like oh, they were, absolutely. I was born into some like little villages that were like, uh, I mean, it's hard to like exactly quantify like how much they've done, but mm-hmm. like they had, you know, technologies and, uh, game mechanics available to them that require multiple generations of cooperation, yeah. uh, in order to be possible. So did a really great job in that yeah it's uh it's a game that uh sort of there was a i think there was a very large 
or maybe not very large, but a distinctly non-zero chance that uh, the the faith that is put into the player could have been betrayed and it could have never uh, really <laughs> taken off. But um, it it's sort of I don't know. I, in during the episode that we recorded, I gave a probably overly lengthy story of the 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 one life in the game where I I you know lived to the full. Uh, you know the old age and died of old age and it was like amazing how like real and human it felt and like how emotional I got uh, because I was basically picked up by one person and brought to a little village and then yeah. I was raised by the many people of the village helping me and then I didn't know how to play the game so they taught me how to do different things and then the village sort of died out and uh, because the over farming and water going away that fewer and fewer people came back so for a while I was the only one there and then it uh, sort of ended with uh, a new a new generation of of characters coming in and me sort of like fostering in some younger character who uh, sort of in the same way that another player had fostered me and I taught him a thing or two and sort of at my dying moment on my quote unquote deathbed of one hour one life he was like uh i'll i'll bury you once you're gone and it was like oh my god this is yeah. <laughs> this is incredible and it's hard to imagine having an experience uh that personal and that specific uh in any medium other than uh, a video game yeah i i it's a great example of a game that uh um to use another word for the ways the games produce stories mm. Uh, for emergent sure stories. absolutely like you it, it is and on the one hand it's a completely non-narrative game there's no like real narrative other than like people get born and have lives and build things mm -hmm. uh but it it gives you the tools to create a lot of really interesting stories that you wouldn't um you some of which you might not even like think would be something that would happen yeah uh, i i had a lot of fun just after I had played the game for a few hours, just browsing the subreddit for it to see the sorts of like people sharing the stories that they've had in the game. And some of them were really fun. Like this one guy who just would like collect all the bones of the people who died in the village and organize them into a graveyard. Huh. I was like, wow, there's something weirdly touching about that. And then like another guy who, uh, who took on the job of like community self-defense so like making sure that the trolls weren't able to oh yeah the griefers by killing everyone the griefers yeah he just would like and then once his character died he would uh he would pick someone that he felt was honorable enough to <laughs> hold the knife and be the new community guard and then he would bestow it upon them and say i'm gone you must protect the village i bequeath now. unto thee <laughs> the the knife. the responsibility of uh of of caring for these kindly people take good care of them um, um yeah and uh, so just to say a little bit about how it fits into this this category mm -hmm. is it is just like if you describe this game to me before i'd heard about it mm -hmm. i'd be like what are you talking about yeah it is just like it's such an original like use of games it's mm -hmm. it's a it like completely like upends a lot of the sorts of common wisdom about how a multiplayer game is supposed to go Absolutely. and like and like the ways that um 
you are supposed to interact with the other players in a multiplayer game. It's just like it's literally impossible to play single player. Like mm. you know, World of Warcraft, you could play one player for most of it and then play multiplayer for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, if without another player, you can't even be born. Yeah. Um, but more than that, you'll just starve to death if they don't want to play with you. Yeah. So it's like multiplayer in a way that I could think I can comfortably say no other game. Yeah. Um, and then also it just like, it completely like rethinks, um, I was thinking this, it's almost like a civilization game if it were multiplayer, like, Mm -hmm. like what would it mean if instead of like one player clicking through a tech tree, Mm -hmm. uh, you have, you know, dozens or hundreds of players who have to do one little Mm -hmm. inkling of the, the tech tree and it's like, it's like playing civilization, uh, but instead of uh, you picking it, uh, your little characters, all of the denizens of your RTS uh, world uh, get to vote <laughs> on everything you do yeah. and collectively have yeah. to work together to do it. Yeah, it's like a civilization if you were a citizen rather than a all-seeing god clicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing I want to say about this game is that... Uh, I think more than anything, I think people kind of throw around the whole like faith in humanity restored thing. I think that's kind of stupid, but this game Uh made me think about the human condition more than I thought almost any game could. Uh, and I played it for, you know, a couple of hours. Uh, and it's just having experiences that like, I think we, we just keep coming back to, if you told me, uh, that this would be successful going in, I would just be like, no. And the fact that it was, no it was successful as it was, uh, given the premise and just given how dependent every single player is on at least one other player and usually a large group is just, yeah. it's something truly yeah. special, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, on, on the topic of like faith in humanity, I felt like it... It uh it does just a great job of like inviting people to expand what they how to put this like what they assume like normal human behavior is sure like it just like if you want to play the game mm-hmm. you play cooperatively like, yeah you can play it yeah as a griefer but the game will quickly fall apart. It, um, and so it, it like a lot of games, and this is sort of something that I think a lot of people uh, have heard, argued, or at least know intuitively. Mm-hmm. Is there are a ton of games that sort of like take for granted a certain kind of like really reductively capitalist view of human nature. Mm-hmm. That just like everyone is is like always a selfish utility maximizing individual. Yeah. Um, and this is just a great example of it's like, well, yes, yeah, sometimes under certain constraints, mm-hmm. but when people have a shared object that they they want to accomplish they will do it together yeah um, absolutely i think it, it makes you uh face down or sort of uh brings to light your own self-interest and sort of makes you realize how how people can set aside their self-interest when it's mm-hmm. for the greater good of people who have helped them or to sort of pay it forward, pay forward the help that was given to them in a time yeah. when they could not help themselves. Uh, yeah. It's uh, yeah. And it also just like, it like doesn't, it like just challenges the idea that you even are able to be 
Like it just reminds us that we are always dependent on other people for our su- survival at every moment. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like you, yes, like you. The society in like which in we this- live does not exist without the other people living in it and upholding yeah, certain. I can't go to the grocery store and like I would. You know, if it weren't for like the collective of humans that I live with, I would die tomorrow. I couldn't live in a forest alone hunting for myself. Mm-hmm. I would starve to death in days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, well, before we, before we sign off, we should talk about Florence and cyber pet graveyard a little bit, why they were yes. original. Um, I, I sort of touched, touched on this already, but, uh, with Florence for me, it had to be the, uh, uh, mechanics is storytelling. We, we sort of talked about, yes. um, film and how uh people are always talking about show don't tell use the the visual aspects of and auditory aspects of film as a medium to uh enhance and tell your story and this is one of the first games where i i truly felt like uh these like explicit little bespoke mechanics were uh evoking emotions and uh, conveying character information uh very uh explicitly and concisely uh in a way that uh just i don't know it's just very good and and original and i yeah i and it also just like it just like it just worked better than a lot of attempts i've seen Mm -hmm. of like making a really explicit sort of like um communicative point with a abstract mechanic Mm -hmm. like when i was when i was playing the like the conversation part of the game, yeah, the and text like bubbles, the, the text bubbles, and the puzzle pieces get like fewer and fewer to like reflect the fact that it's getting easier and easier to mm-hmm. put together a sentence. Mm-hmm. Like I was just that, that like clicked for me in a way. And I was yeah. like, wow, that is that is a great little it's evocation of like the feeling remarkable. of getting to know someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the feeling of getting to know someone and, and getting more comfortable with one another. And even later on in the game, as the relationship starts to deteriorate, the little puzzle pieces, instead of having rounded edges, they have sharp edges, uh, yeah. sort of convey the like sharpness of the words. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's just really and don't good. they like start to drift off too. Yeah. Like- there's, I mean, there's a ton of little mechanics. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's basically the whole game is, is these little bespoke different interactions things. and mechanics that are all, uh, you like that word bespoke. <laughs> yeah. I've said it many times. I feel like with that game, it's, uh, it's very <laughs> it, specific. It works. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, cyber pet graveyard. It's a, a very recent inductee into the, the edge guard, uh, um, Canon. Canon. Yes, that's what I was looking for. I almost said annals, but uh, we're not quite <laughs> to annals yet. I think I think we have to, to go do for two years, years before, before there are annals. Yeah, um, two years is annals. Okay. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> Cyber Pet. Uh, I think it sort of just stretches the way. I think it's one of the games that would we wouldn't quite call a game, but more sort of interactive uh, uh, digital experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it is more of like a explore a open set of stuff mm-hmm. than it is like um uh like strictly like beat a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we were we were thinking uh the reason we picked this was just because it's another one another of those games where we were like I just it, it like literally ex- like stretched the bounds of what you can imagine for a game. Like it was like I didn't 
you were saying, I didn't even know that you could do that with an EXE file. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like it was doing things that we just didn't even know you could do. Didn't even think that you would want to do. Uh, and it was, is just like fun and clever in the ways it did that. Like just, there's something just weird and fun about having a little zombie dude waltzing around your computer as if he were like an autonomous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then also just like having the, there's just something like weird about having the, the contents of the game be like just out there as files oh, yeah. for you to, for you to explore like you were exploring your, your own, like old documents, yeah. or your old photographs. Yeah. It reminds me something. of like going back through an old flash drive that you find. Like I've yeah. found ones from like, Oh, this is a flash drive I had in high school. And like, here's my like junior Final year project Spanish project like I haven't thought about this at all but now that I'm looking about it I'm thinking about how much time I spent thinking about it at the time uh, yeah and this doesn't quite evoke like the sort of uh, like what I'm describing of like oh it's a memory but it's a similar idea of like I'm just digging through files for the mm. pleasure of seeing what's there uh, which is yeah. I don't know so cool yeah, it was super cool. And um this is one where there is a I think that it opens up a great deal of new imaginative ground for mm, for their absolutely. games. Like you could do you can do so much with this. Mm-hmm. Um and I I really hope that people I really hope that other game makers play this game and then think about uh, how it can inform their own work cuz I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, with that, do we, uh, I actually realized, so our original plan was to have like a, a personal shout outs where we could, uh, shout out games that, uh, had like a, a personal significance. And then I realized yeah. now after talking through all these, uh, looking at my list that I wrote down, we have literally talked about every one of these and I've already sort of said my piece. So, uh, oh, really? yeah, I, I do want to <laughs> give one final shout out to packing up the rest of your stuff. We talked to the turn follow guys, but that game, yes. that game has done, uh, has nestled its way into my heart and it sits there firmly alongside a game like gone home where it's just, yes. uh, there's something that just struck me so specifically about that game. So I, I can't, I can't help but play favorites with that one. <laughs> uh, how about um, you, Jordan? Uh, I, yeah, so I have a cup, two games that we, well, kind of three mm-hmm. that we didn't, uh, give any, um, awards to that I thought were kind of my honorable mentions. Mm. A few of these were on our short list, mm. uh, but didn't get featured. So I just wanted to shout them out. So the first one is uh, Story Seeker. Mm. Uh, this was a game that I, do we have it under narrative or under virtual space? Uh, I'm not sure. It might've been both. And then we, but you, it's just this enormous two dimensional world where you walk around um, and uh, you, can like sort of piece together some of the like things that have happened in this world by walking around. And then the sort of closest thing to a, a goal that you have is, um, I mean, it is a goal is just finding these, were they like altars or pillars or something? Yeah. They and were like that opens up a special temple. Um, but just the thing that I wanted to say about this game is it did a great job of making getting lost fun, um, mm. which is something that I like about, open world games but that doesn't 
it, people don't try it yeah. very often anymore. That we kind of live in the era of uh, guided maps. Yeah. I think I think Breath of the Wild does a, a is a recent game yes, that does a good job yes, of letting you get lost. I think we might have lost. talked about that. Uh, I still need to play Breath of the Wild. That is, I don't have a Switch. Got to get speaking one. Of, speaking of that. games weaseling their way into my heart, <laughs> into Blake's heart. Yeah. Yes, that one. Yeah, I know you love that game. Oh. Which I mean, rightly so. I, I played it for an hour and I was already like, damn, this is cool. Yeah. Um, okay, another one that I liked was uh, City, uh, stylized C-I-T-Y. Um, and this was a game that I just thought was, we had it under best simulated computer interface, I think, because it was another game where you uh, sort of interface with the computer in order to play it. You are like, it's like a basically a command line and you're trying to operate the power for the city uh, by typing out uh, commands really fast. Um, I I just liked it because it sort of gives you a, the fran- franticness with which you find yourself typing, um, especially once you get a little bit of mastery at it, uh, it just kind of makes you feel like a movie hacker in a way, in a way that I thought was fun, where you're just like, go hack the system. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Um so that was one of my honorable mentions. And then lastly was Royals by uh, Asher Vollmer. Yeah. And that was one where we just didn't really have a category for it. Yeah. Um, because we didn't have a lot of kind of top-down strategy games that we played. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's not like um, – I mean, it's a very good game, mm-hmm. but it's kind of working in an existing formula rather than – starting a new one mm-hmm. so it didn't really fit in the original one um didn't really have a narrative yeah uh, i almost felt like it could have gone in games that just feel right but really not quite because it was a mm-hmm. turn-based game yeah um but i just thought that was a good game like it was fun to play it was well designed it's it was elegant in the way that its mechanics all fit together um i like strategy games and i thought that it was uh it was a good one good and i wanted to shout out um the other reason i wanted to shout it out is because uh as i've mentioned on the podcast before i am for my phd uh, i'm currently working on my working on my comprehensive exam studying for them and one of the things i'm doing is playing a lot of older games um uh, i have like 30 older games that i'm playing and i played the original civilization mm. uh and i this i didn't realize the degree to which uh, at least in its interface, uh, Royals is seems to be like a direct reference to oh really civilization huh. yeah because you in the modern civilization games you move around by clicking mm-hmm. uh, you do not do that in Civ One you move your units by moving them one by one with the arrow keys wow and that blew my mind I was like Damn. oh my god this is weird huh. Um, and it looks the same where it's like this kind of top down, everything's a square, mm-hmm. uh, really simple, uh, pixely icons for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had just added color, it would have looked like, like Civ 1. Sure. Uh, mechanically, it's a little different cause you don't like do, you don't like, uh, research text. It's more like expanding your, yeah. your empire and your money, but yeah, it just it really reminded me of that. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting because one of the pr- the things that Royal said it was doing was, um, it was like 
framed as an old game from your youth that you're like cleaning out your room and you found the you found the disc for and you're booting it back up sure uh so yeah all right well with that i think we can uh wrap up the edgies uh by saying that we will return to our our, our regularly uh scheduled programming, scheduled programming. Yeah. uh next week with uh, a little game called tiny towns by bearish uh and it looks like some sort of little puzzled city planning game on like a super yeah. tiny scale uh it and it has i don't know i'm very excited to to see how it all works it, it looks uh pretty neat yeah um, and as always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and we'll probably do a, a pretty sizable tweet storm, uh, along with this episode, uh, to make sure that we're getting links, uh, a to our original episodes for all these games, uh, that won and B, uh, links to the games. So you can play them and the creators so you can, uh, be yes. their friend, congratulate them on their, uh, yeah, uh, on their prestigious victory, the prestigious victory of an edgy <laughs> from the first annual edgies. You think pe- people cared about the first Oscars or you think people were just like, whatever. <laughs> Uh, I don't know a lot about the Oscars. I mean, a lot of times that they start those new awards, they kind of like use existing uh, institutional clout from previous awards. I don't know if the Oscars did that. My guess is that it was like from the jump a big deal because of just Hollywood money at the time. But that's neither here nor there with regards to this podcast or our winners. Uh, But to all of you, congratulations. Thank you for making... Uh, wonderful games for us to play. Uh, yes, thank you for making uh, the gaming world more interesting. You, you rock. Yes, uh, and with that, we will see you next week. Yeah.